by our supporters on Patreon. Thanks to new patrons like Raul Rivera, Vision Podcast, and Kate Lamp. And longtime supporters like Amy Swan, Dan George, Ian Urza, and Ashley Pinkard. Stick around for an extended shout-out at the end. Now on to the episode. Welcome to another episode of Father and Son Watch Horror Movies. I am your co-host, the father, a.k.a. Pastor Matt, and I am joined as always by my trusty sidekick, Jackson the Son, and we're here to round out our uh, Scream coverage, and I've got some good news and some bad news as far as my ratings go. Uh, you're going to break my heart again, aren't you? <laughs> yes, it's going to be a sick Megan situation again. Oh, man. Okay, well... <sighs> Folks, folks, folks. You can only raise them for so long. Um, we are a spoiler podcast. We do spoil the movies that we cover. And today we are, as Jackson said, we are finishing our Scream franchise review with Scream 5 and Scream 6. That's right. And it's it's weird to say that, that we're finishing our Scream coverage, because we recorded our last episode with Amy Swan on Scream 4 in October of 2020. It's been it's been two and a half years since our last Scream coverage. So it's it's kind of like, you know, we're, we did Well, we did a Patreon review of Scream 5. Right. Um, along with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, but but yeah, this is our first time publicly talking about Scream 5. And uh, I'm excited. I know Amy Amy Swan was supposed to join us for this episode, but unfortunately she couldn't make it. Um, but yeah, man, that's two and a half years since our last episode. And we miss Amy. We love Amy and her family. And so we're sorry she couldn't be here. And I'm sorry if you can hear uh, my wife's demon-possessed puppies uh, <laughs> barking in the background. <clears throat> but um, Jackson knows them well and, and knows that one is a good dog and one is a nervous dog. So Sure, yes. I won't say, yeah, he's not a bad dog. He's just, he's just got some anxiety issues. Just, yeah, just a bit, just a bit. But anyway, all righty. Before we get going, um, I wanted to bring something to the table. Uh, I I've been messaging Gilman Joel and uh, back and forth a lot as um, Megan and I and you try to relaunch Horror Movie Podcast, mm -hmm. which, by the way, if you check, it is up. Yeah. Uh, about 40 episodes are up. We're having to render every single episode one by one. Mm. So it's going to take a while to get over 200 episodes back online. But 40 episodes are up. And a lost episode will be coming. So you can check that. Uh, it's at horrormoviepodcast.net. Um, so that's where you have to go. But that being said, I've been messaging Gilman Joel back and forth and he made this comment. Mm -hmm. So let's see where you fall on it. Yeah. Cause he messaged me after he saw scream six and he said, what did you think? And so I messaged him back. I'll, I'll say what I told him here in a minute, but he messaged me and said, I really think that if you look at all the horror franchises, Scream may, may be the most consistent of all of them. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what my friend said. I saw I saw Scream 6 with my friend on Thursday. Um, I saw the, the 3D fan event. That's what I went to because it was oh, the earliest, wow. earliest showing on, on, on uh, Thursday. And uh, you got a poster. If you went to the that 3D fan event, so mm. I have that poster. I saw it in 3D. I don't I don't love 3D, but this movie actually had some scenes that that benefited from it, and I'll talk about those later. But 
Yeah, after coming out, uh, my friend Carter said, I think that Scream is the most consistent horror franchise. And I thought about that. I was like, yeah, I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street has uh, the dream child and Freddy's dead and the remake. And Friday has uh, Jason Goes to Hell, which I, I don't mind. And Jason X, which uh. I also enjoy. <laughs> but there are people who hate, hate those movies. Of course, Hall- with Halloween. I would be one of them that hates Jason Goes to Hell. Joel and right. I go back and forth about that. But yeah, with, I even... With- I even but, my response to him when he said that it's the most consistent, yeah. one of my smart aleck responses was, well, we, we still don't have Ghostface goes to hell, so that's good. Right, right. Uh, well, I, I mean, we get Ghostface takes Manhattan in this one, so we're only one step away. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it is, you know, it is pretty consistent. And I have my problems with a lot of the Scream sequels. Um, but, you know, How I will say. double they, dare you. <laughs> they and we'll talk about that but uh they you know they, they do have a consistent tone and and they it really does feel like it's all in the family with the scream franchise that's something that's different than the friday franchise or halloween or uh or nightmare on elm street it's it doesn't feel like they're it's changing hands that much because even though wes craven is now unfortunately gone uh he still got to direct the first four and now five and six we see we have you know remaining cast members and people who are working on it who knew west so it really still feels like it's in the family it doesn't feel like it's just i completely did changed you hands. not i know um that we'll get into scream five here in a minute and patreon supporters already know where you stand but did you not did it not get a little dusty in the room when it ended and it said four west oh sure yeah and it's you know that I mean that that doesn't mean it's a great movie, but it it is touching that there's that tribute to him. I see Scream Four as the perfect you know like uh and still that I don't find that to be a perfect movie, but as far as it goes, I think it's a perfect tribute to Wes. That being that it was his last feature, uh, but but yeah, I mean it is really touching to see the care. Uh, by Radio Silence that's gone into these two new Scream movies. It really does, you know, with all my problems with Scream 5, which we'll get into, it really does feel like they care about the franchise and they're real fans of it. They're not just trying to make a quick buck. Yeah, I I agree with that. And and you have to admit, I mean, people can go back and listen to our Scream 4 coverage with Amy Swan, but, you know, for Wes Craven to do that kind of work 40 years into making films, Mm 40-plus years into making films, where it appears that kind of John Carpenter lost his mojo. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. I'm what I'm somebody who would say that John Carpenter did not lose his mojo. He you know, he had he fell off a little uh, bit with vampires from Mars or whatever, Ghost of Mars. Uh I fell I off a little? A little? Uh, right. But I liked that one in the in Have you Asylum. seen have you seen The Ward? I enjoyed that movie. Uh, oh my gosh! I enjoy it. I think. I mean, is it is it worse than Ghost of Mars? That's the question. I think it's better. Um, but okay, it, it, saying that something is better than Ghost of Mars is not a high endorsement, right? But you know, it's it's every every director has a few that uh. they they did for you know the studio or whatever. But um, John argue- Carpenter, we talked about this in our John Carpenter tribute episode. People can go back and check that out. John Carpenter himself has said that after the thing, you know, was a critical and box office failure, which I still don't understand because I think that's a brilliant movie. But he even said that there were many a times where he phoned it in. Sure. I mean, I would I think that he made great films after the thing. I don't think he, you know, immediately dropped off in quality. But I I will agree that, you know, every director has that happen. You know, you either run out of inspiration or 
whatever. But Rarely I mean, Charlie happened to Hitchcock. Yeah, I mean, come on, late in his career, Psycho, The Birds, Frenzy. Yeah, um, yeah, okay. But I would still argue that John Carpenter, you know, he's still very talented musically, and he still Absolutely. does have like he's a master filmmaker. Um, no, I mean, don't get me wrong, people. If you're tuning into this for the first time, John Carpenter is one of my favorite movie makers of all time. Yeah. So please do not get me wrong. I think that the run he had from Assault on Precinct 13, yeah, through Starman, is one of the greatest runs a director has ever had. Well, let's not discount Big Trouble in Little China and Prince of Darkness and, and Live. Well, Big Trouble in Little bags. China, I think, is fun. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a great film. Oh, and, I disagree, and, sir. And we have talked about Prince of Darkness. I mean, that movie's bonkers. And it's uh, one of the ways you can tell that John Carpenter is phoning it in is that he's not reining in his actors. Hmm. So Don, look at Donald Pleasance's, you know, uh, performance in in Halloween and Escape from New York, and then look at Prince of Darkness. Sure. In yeah. Prince of Darkness, he is chewing the scenery. I would argue that uh, Donald Pleasance knew what kind of movie he was in and was just elevating it with that performance, because uh, it's pulp. Okay. But yeah. I don't, Anyways, don't get me wrong, I don't hate Prince of Darkness, but I have my problems with it. Sure. Um, my point being that, uh, you know, every, every, you know, these are all talented directors and Wes Craven, especially, you know, when I talked about uh, the crazies on, on my Patreon video that I did years ago, um, you know, I talked about how there are so many, you know, you think, you know, Wes Craven and you've seen the classics, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street and uh, the Hills Have Eyes. And you're like, oh, yeah, he's, you know, I love Wes Craven. But there are so many Wes Craven movies that not a lot of people have seen because they just kind of faded into obscurity. Um, well, and, and some of them they probably shouldn't see. I mean, <laughs> and I saw Deadly Friend in theaters, and let's just say you can you can skip that. Um, right. And The Hills Have Eyes too. sorry, Gilmanjul, with the dog flashback. I mean, <laughs> y- you can skip some of those, too. But I think the four Scream movies, like, look, and, and as I said, people can go back and listen to our franchise reviews. The original Scream is in my top ten of all time. I absolutely adore it. Um, I saw it twice on opening weekend. And that's when I was making $36,000 as a congressional aide and had no money. Mm -hmm. Living in Washington, D.C. Right. And I went to see Scream twice in theaters that weekend because I was just blown away by it. Scream 2 I loved from the get-go. Scream 3 and 4 I had to warm up to. Yeah. But, but But I did. And so... Let's talk about Scream 5. Let's jump into it. So, did you see Scream 5 when it first opened? Uh, I saw Scream 5 on streaming. Uh, Did it do day and date? It was, yeah. It was on Paramount Plus via Amazon, which you have my account for. It, it, It streamed on their opening weekend. That's what I thought. Yeah, I know I saw it pretty early on. I don't know if I saw it opening weekend, but I did see it pretty early on. Um, we did our, uh, our Patreon episode, I think a month after release. So, because, you know, I I had to see Texas Chainsaw on Netflix, but, um, yeah. So I think I saw it pretty close to release. Um, and by that time, I think the collective consciousness had kind of gone through a bunch of different phases with their opinion on screen five, uh, because there, you know, there were people who were like, oh, the original cast is back and oh, it's a, oh, but it's not Wes Craven and oh, it doesn't, some parts don't feel the same and oh, but you know, there, there was, there but was you a lot got of Dewey, forth. you got Dewey back, you got Gail back yes. and for a limited time, you got Sydney back. Right. 
Right. So, um, you know, and and I've come up on Scream on Scream Five. I did like it more on rewatch. I rewatched it for this episode. I still didn't love it, and I feel like it's my mm. least favorite of the series, just ah. purely because of how low risk it is. I don't hey, think hey, it takes uh, a lot of big you shots. like Scream Three better than yes. Scream Five. I love Scream Three. Okay, I like Scream Three. Mm-hmm. I I don't love it. Yeah. Um, and I will argue that the original idea for Scream Three was better, where it's gorier. Oh, where, oh you know, I, I, Stu I, Walker come back. I and, agree. We talked about that on our when we covered it that. The brothers who shall not be named at Dimension Films, they completely screwed that up. I mean, yeah. that was that was their meddling hands after mm-hmm. they had a falling out with Kevin Williamson that screwed that movie up. Sure. Uh, and so I completely agree with you. But I really I rewatched Scream Five, just literally rewatched it again twenty minutes ago. Mm-hmm. And I frigging loved yeah i enjoyed it i liked it uh like i said still don't love it and like you know scream is a consistent franchise so none of these are terrible um they're all very watchable i think some more to you know to various degrees um but i you know i do enjoy it i just think that scream six not to get ahead of myself is a huge improvement uh, I think that they, they okay. took this. They took the ideas. Well, here we'll and talk about. We will talk about that. I know yeah. a lot of people have gotten. There have been a couple of horror viewers that have gotten a lot of flack for not liking Scream Six. Hmm. Um, after I watched Scream Six, then I watched some reviews on YouTube, and yeah, and I saw some people getting some flack for not liking it, but for Scream Five. So we're back in Woodsboro. And Ghostface has arisen again and attacks Tara, which mm-hmm. was, I think, the first time I probably saw Jenna Ortega. Uh, yeah. I can't remember before that. I know this... she's on, like, Disney shows and stuff, but I don't watch yeah, that because I'm not this, a weirdo. This came out before X and before Studio 666. So, yeah, yes. I guess this would be the first time that I saw Jenna Ortega in a horror movie, too. She, Yeah, I, yeah, I guess so. And so we find out that her sister... Um, is Billy Loomis's uh, daughter. Right. Which kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah, that's another... I mean, talk about... We're, we talked about Scream 3 and the whole Roman Bridgers uh, retcon where Roman is the mastermind. This takes even more, you know, like mystery out of Billy's character too. It's like, oh, he also had a child in that time before he died when right. he was 18. So I don't and know we how get, that happened, We have but... Skeet Ulrich coming back doing like flashbacks and stuff yeah de-aged flashbacks kind of uh you know i i I loved billy's character in scream because he's just evil he's evil incarnate at 18 years old at scream when there is that turn Mm -hmm. when there is that turn when he licks the fake blood yeah and you see that look on his face Mm -hmm. i'm not a huge skeet Ulrich fan and the other things he's done yeah. But I love that performance. It's chilling. And that's that's what made Scream work so well. It's that, you know, yes, Billy has a reason, but he's also insane. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. He, he thinks that, what, his, his parents got divorced because of something that Sydney's uh because of sydney's mom and there's a, the death of you Sydney's mom you can all... argue Stu is crazier than billy that's true because billy actually has a reason Stu's just along for the ride yeah 
But that's part of what makes me love Stu, so much. Stu, in, in 1967, Stu would have been a member of the Manson family. Oh, for sure. Yeah, he was just, he was ready for chaos. So, yeah, and I love that, though, that they're, they're these these teen killers who are just out of their mind, but are so, uh, they're such sociopaths that they can play nice, you know what I mean? And and until that reveal, you're not really sure who's, who's who. So that's what I love so much about Scream. You know, we get into Scream 3, and it turns out, oh, Roman orchestrated the whole thing. So we're taking agency away from Billy. And then by the time we get to Scream yeah. 5, it's, you know, Billy's, like, appearing to his, his, uh, his daughter, uh, to, to encourage her. Or she's like, having some kind of psychotic break. And that's, we don't that's know, what it is. But, yeah. yeah, it's not a real vision, but right. it does take even more menace away from Billy to kind of devalue him this way is the way I see it. And I think, you know, it was... It was okay in Scream 5, but even more so in Scream 6. Uh, not to get ahead of myself, I did like Scream 6, but that was one of the things I didn't like. We have an even more de-aged, deep-faked Ski Ulrich appearing in, in, uh, in Visions <laughs> to, to Sam in this movie. And it's like, okay, right. I, you know, I get it. It's like, I, I really don't, it doesn't feel like Billy anymore. You know what I mean? It's just this idea. It's sort of like what they do with with Michael Myers in the Halloween franchise, where they kind of forgot that he was just a guy who like was just evil incarnate, and they tried to give him a bunch of backstory and reasons. He's and the rules. boogeyman. You don't need exactly. anything other than he's the boogeyman. Billy was a crazy kid in Scream One, and then he's been like mythologized, you know, as as time goes on. And maybe you could say that's how real life serial killers are. You know, people mythologize people like Jeffrey Dahmer when they were really just mentally ill people who who should have been They should have had an intervention earlier on in life so i guess you could say that you know that's a meta commentary on that but the way it's executed just kind of feels like they're deifying billy loomis as this this larger than life character when he was really just an 18 year old crazy guy right and so we get it's billy loomis's daughter and we realize it eventually again we're a spoiler podcast we realize that what is happening is that the killers have gone after Tara to get Sam back. And then I, I think as a bonus, because it doesn't appear to be a plan necessarily, though they kind of talk of it that w way with the whole talk of a requel, which I hate that term, but um, yeah, then, then they get, you know, um, Dewey back and that brings Gail back. And then spoiler alert, Dewey is killed. Mm-hmm. And that brings Sydney back. Right. And I, I will say that other than in Scream 2, when Jamie Kennedy's character, Randy, is is pulled into the van and killed, yeah. Dewey's death really hit me. Yeah. Yeah. It's and it's a good death. I mean, it's a it's obviously the uh Han Solo in the Force Awakens type thing, right? Where it's like this returning character who you know, really doesn't want to do continue this franchise that much. So, but they want to give him one last hurrah. So they bring Dewey back in, you know, to kill him off and kind of beckon in the new characters. And he does get a good death. I mean, it's it's long and oh, out it and he's is fighting the whole time. It's brutal, and I love Ghostface's line that yeah. after he's you know, let's just face it, she finishes him off. Yeah, that she goes. It's an honor. Yeah, which doesn't really, I guess, do they have the Roger Jackson voice changer installed on the mask? Like, I feel like that'd be pretty clunky, like kind of heavy, right? I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah, whatever. But it, it 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 is a great kill. Yeah, it's a great kill, and it is devastating. 
Um, but we, you know, out of the main three, you kind of get the sense that it would be Dewey. Um, but but yeah, it's still it's still a good kill. Um, and yeah, it, it is it's doing the Han Solo thing and that requel sort of thing, which I also don't love that term. I don't know a better term for it, but um, yeah, it's it's it was you know it's 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 following the trend. And it's you just say- a it's just a sequel, and you know. uh, sequels always pay homages to the original. You don't have to call it a requel. Right. Well, the idea is that it soft reboots certain ideas. Like in Halloween 2018, it's a continuation of uh, the original Halloween. So it's sort of like this movie sort of kind of ignores uh, uh, Scream 3 without fully ignoring it. So it's a little bit of a requel. Yeah, I wouldn't say so. I don't think it ignores. And obviously, as we get to 6, it doesn't doesn't avoid 4 because we get a return character from 4. Right. Yeah, well, we do see yeah we see roman bridger in in scream six but it it does kind of soft like it feels more like a continuation of the darker timeline and less of the comedic timeline of you know of scream three but um but yeah so soft the requel usually i think applies to something that's like a little bit of a reboot as well as the sequel um but so like you see in texas chainsaw massacre it's kind of like a sequel to texas chainsaw uh, the, you know, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre rather than, you know, the the kind of silly world. And you're of... you're talking about last year's Netflix, not the right, right, 20, right. 2003 Michael Bay produced. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it's it's sort of like a like a, a sequel and a reboot, soft reboot. Same thing with Force Awakens, where they went back to the vibe and the style of the original uh, trilogy and kind of ignored all the stuff about midichlorians and the prequels and stuff like that. Yeah, well, thank God for that. But... I, but I I don't think it's uncommon for sequels to avoid stuff in the past that just didn't work. Right, right. Um, I I think that's fine. But in this one, so we get them, they've come back. Of course, we have two killers, you know, um, as we usually do in, in most of them. Yeah. And did you buy the unveiling of the characters at the end? Listen, I'm going to get flack for this, but I almost never buy the revealing of the characters in Scream movies, other than the original. The original, the original, I, I, yep, I agree. The original is perfect. Like, yes, it makes total, once you rewatch it with the the idea in mind that whenever Billy's on screen, it's Stu, and whenever Stu's on screen, it's Billy, it makes total sense. Right. The revealing of the, you know, as the sequels went on, you know, even right off the bat with Scream 2, having it be Billy's mom and, you know, and, uh, and, um, uh, Raylan uh, Givens from justified my favorite show of all time. It's Tim- Timothy Oliphant. Right, yeah. right. Timothy Oliphant. It's like, they are different heights. You would be able to tell scene to scene. You know what I mean? Like when, when, when Billy's mom is chasing right. down a sorority girl, they would be the same height. You know what I mean? Like, so you don't really buy Well, and that's one of the, the reasons time. I didn't buy a red herring in scream six because sure. the red herring is like four foot 11. Right, right. And while we do finally, we do get a reveal in Scream 6 that could really make anything make sense, the way they go with it, it's like, no matter what scene you're in, somebody could be the, you know, it It, it, it kind of took a safe route, I think. We'll get into it, though. But, you know, in, in all almost all of the Scream pre, uh, sequels, I don't really buy this, the Ghostface reveal. And that's that's just as true with with uh, Scream 5. Um, you know, whatever. It's 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 whatever. It turns out, you know, spoiler alert, that it's Richie and I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Richie and the and actor's name is, is Amanda um, or 
Yeah. Uh, Richie the, and Amanda. Yeah. And the actor's name is Mikey Madison, who I recognize. I don't know where from. But I, I don't either, her. but oh, I. She's one of the Manson cult members in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. But it's also Dennis Quaid's son who's playing right. Richie, he's right? great, by the way. Jack Quaid is, is great in this movie. I like him in The Boys. Uh, though I've only seen the first season, and anyone willing to go on Red Letter Media's Best of the Worst is the star in my book because uh, you know that's that's just cool. He's got he's got good taste. Him and Patton Oswalt, uh, and um, and they go they go in my Hall of Fame. But yeah, he's great in this movie. Um, and uh, yeah, I you know there I don't really buy the reveal, of course, but once they're unmasked, it's just those are you know great performances, and they get great you know gory come up and come up and says um so and and their whole motive yeah um again spoiler alert is basically that richie and amanda are fans of the original stab yeah and now we're up to in this in the fictional universe we're in we're up to stab eight yeah and they think it's gone stale and so they need a real life you know um, succession of events in order to reboot this series. Right. Which is a little like I had this problem, you know, you're going to hate this. Uh, let's not get into it, but just briefly, I had the same problem with sick where it's like the character motivations for the villains feels a little contrived. It feels a little bit like this seems a little extreme, but I mean, there are some crazy fanboys okay. out there. You can, you can be wrong. <laughs> There are some crazy fanboys out there that maybe would do something this extreme. I don't know about Stab, because we see in the movies that the Stab, in the Scream universe, the Stab movies are pretty cheesy. They don't look very good, and not a lot of people actually like them. It seems like one of the staples that people go and see and kind of hate watch in this universe. But, um, yeah, so I don't know if I fully buy that, that Richie and Amanda would, you know, commit multiple murders just to keep the film franchise interesting. Um, but you know, maybe it could be a thing where like, oh, they want to be in the stab franchise. They, they, you know, they want a movie made about them, but I think they were planning on getting away with it. So I don't know how that would work anyways. Um, yeah, but once the veil is lifted and, you know, it's revealed that they're the killers, they, they, they put in great performances, you know, they really got crazy eyes. Um, so yeah, that, that, that part, that part worked for me. Yeah. I thought both of their performances, the killer's performances were really good, especially yeah. at the end. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, even though you don't buy the twist itself, they kind of sell it, you know, with their physicality at the end. Right. So what else do you want to talk about with Scream 5? Because I feel like we're going to spend most of our time talking about Scream 6. Right, right. Um, well, uh, t- to talk about the cast a little bit, um, Kyle Gallner is in this movie briefly as kind of uh, an ex-boyfriend, I guess, like a kind of white trash ex-boyfriend. Yes. You you might recognize him uh, from Smile. He was great in Smile. Um, what else do I know him from? He's like a, a new horror staple. He's in, oh, he's, he's young. He's in Jennifer's Body. Oh. Uh, he's in Red Eye, which is, you know, Wes Craven. Yep. Uh, uh, he's in the Nightmare on Elm Street remake and, you know, like I said, Smile from last year. So he's he's kind of a new horror regular, like kind of a Scream King. Um, and yeah, yeah, good I for think him. Yeah, I think he's pretty good in this movie. Um, I, you know, out of the twins, uh, Randy's uh, niece and nephew in this movie, uh, I, I like Chad. I don't know how much I like uh, his sister, Mindy, I think is Mindy, her name. Mindy, yeah. 
you know, I'm going to get, I'm going to get flack for this, but, uh, she tries to be the new Randy, and I'm not so sure, sure she pulls it off. Well, here's what I'm going to say, and I don't even, you know, it's not so much about Mindy's performance. I'm going to, I'm going to get into kind of a controversial take. I think here, I told my friend this after the screening. My least favorite part of every Scream sequel post Randy is when they tried to do the meta horror movie breakdown monologue. It just doesn't feel the same, like as as the original and as two. I mean, in the scene in this movie. And the next movie in Scream 5 and 6, they kind of drag for me. It, it, it feels kind of like Mindy is delivering this monologue just as word soup without really believing it. Like, I don't know. It just it just doesn't really work with me. And that, that's I don't know. That sounds like too. every other YouTuber I see. So, yeah, that's I mean, I, I uh, Jasmine Savoy Brown is the actor's name. Uh, she does a great job. I just, those monologues, and Scream 4 is the same way. Scream 4, Scream 5, Scream 6, those meta movie monologues, they don't really work. It kind of just feels like the movie cuts screeching to a halt to kind of like, you know, stop the reality of the world and make some jokes. I don't know. It just doesn't really work for me. Um, of course, it was, you know, it was game changing when Randy did it in Scream 1 and even Scream 2. And then when they brought him back with a VHS tape in Scream 3, that was kind of funny. But uh it, it's just it's just not the same and I, I might get flack for that because i know a lot of people love scream for its meta moments um but that those monologues and you know even in these movies where they reference like there's there's a part i think in scream five where mindy is on the couch and she's watching stab and she's like right and she's watching stab and she's watching the guy reacting to halloween and it's like a super meta I really don't like that because it takes away from the whole genius of that scene in Scream was that it had never been done before and it was that one layer of meta-ness put between it. But when you do it again, it doesn't add anything. It just does it again. Do you understand? Like, so I don't I don't really love that about it. Um, but you know, it's well, Scream but that's, and that but that's part of why I hate both the term and the philosophy behind a requel is that you have to kind of go back to the original. Sure. Yeah, so I, you know, I, I, I understand. Uh, I just don't, I just don't, don't love it. I mean, people have certain expectations of Scream going into it, so whatever. But um, I might catch flack for that, but that's that's how I feel. But um, I, to talk about, you know, kind of a returning member of the cast, really quick. This is a, you know, a another great both this and Scream Six. Roger Jackson is just excelling. I mean, he's turning yeah. in the best Ghostface voice performances of his life. I mean, we'll talk about this with Scream 6, but man, just super impressive the way he can like shift from super calm to that menacing Ghostface. It's perfect. I mean, he's been, obviously he was been he's practicing for years in between Scream 4 and Scream 5. Well, it sounds like he's having fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I mean that that look, I don't if you I wasn't. I was born with a voice. You know, I was born with a face for radio and a voice <laughs> for telegraphs. Um, you know, but you know, if you're blessed with that. Yeah. I mean, voiceover work, everybody agrees is the greatest work ever. I mean, you just you don't go to makeup, you don't sit around and wait. You walk in in sweatpants and a t-shirt. And you sit down in front of a microphone and you just do your thing. Sure. And yeah, he just sounds like he's having a blast. And yeah. so, yeah, he's fantastic as the voice. And yeah, I love him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's great. I mean, um, yeah. I, then that's not to say that the returning cast aren't good. I mean, I, f 
I felt a little bit like, you know, Dewey's kind of David Arquette's kind of phoning in a little bit because he knew he was dying in this one. There's a great scene between him and Gale. That's great. But, you know, there are certain scenes no, like when he's I, in the I just trailer. thought he was playing it like, I just don't care anymore. If you look around, there are empty liquor bottles everywhere. Right, and all that right. kind of stuff. He's divorced. Yeah. And he's living in a trailer. He's no longer the sheriff. And it just looks like he's just kind of surviving. Right. And I, you know, and I love Nev Campbell. I also think she kind of phoned it in a little bit with Scream 5 compared to Scream 4. Um, but, you know, that's okay. It's nice well, to see she wasn't them. given that much in Scream 5. to be Exactly, a- yeah. And I think that might be part of the issue. But I, you know, not, again, not to get ahead of myself, but I think that Gail, uh, I think that Courtney Cox's performance as Gail was much better in Scream 6 than it was in Scream 5. It felt like she was really? more invested in it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and that's something we'll talk about, but um, yeah, good cast. Uh, Sheriff Hicks returns from Scream from Scream Four, and I think she's yep. she's even more interesting in this movie. I think she's played perfectly. Um, the, the Doctor from Planet Terror from Grindhouse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. This I would say this role is equally prestigious as that. Um, but I, you know, I, I think she was great. Yeah, she's great. She's great in this movie. I wish I could say the same for her son. He felt kind of flat. Um, but that is a great kill. Uh, of oh him. yeah, and then you know of of Sheriff Hicks too. I mean, it's it, those are great kills and and sequences. But it just so much of the cat, the new cast in Scream Five in this movie in Scream Five specifically feels kind of flat and underwritten. It kind of feels like they're they're torn between you know trying to bring back the returning cast and show us where they're at, but also introduce these new characters and make them feel fleshed out. And it just doesn't succeed at that. They kind of just feel like flat two D characters. Maybe with the exception of Tara and Sam, you know, the Carpenter sisters, which is obviously a reference to John Carpenter. Right. Um, but but yeah, so uh, I, I, you know, I was sad to see that Nev Campbell wasn't returning for, for Scream 6. And we'll get into that. I don't know the, the specifics of the behind the scenes stuff. Maybe you've you've looked into. That oh, a bit. we can just we can just cut this real quick. They yeah. weren't going to pay her. Right, right. So I just, you know, which is sad. And the the, the explanation in Scream 6 felt a little hand-wavy to me. I don't know. Like, even not knowing that, it felt a little weird. But, you know, in Scream 5, it, it, it's nice to, to, to have the returning characters. But in Scream 6, I was glad that, you know, we were finally able to focus on the new characters. You know what I mean? And kind of flesh them out. Because I was really more attached to the core four, as they're called in, in Scream 6, in Scream 6, than I was in this movie. Because they really only have, like, it feels like they only have ten lines each. Because it, it, it's kind of split between them and the returning cast. Right. Um, I do like one line that I wrote down from Chad, which is why I, you know, like Chad right off the bat is uh, when Kyle Gallner pulls up uh, to the school really creepily. Um, and by the way, I read that his character's tattoos are references to Wes Craven movies, which is cool. Oh, that's cool. Um, you never see them in, in close up, but it's cool that they put that effort in. But Chad sees him and goes, time to introduce him to Hobbs and Shaw while he's like flexing, which is which I thought was funny. Um, so I like Chad right off the bat. It took me a while to warm up to Mendy, but, um, yeah, I'm just glad that in Scream 6, we got more time with the new characters because it kind of felt like there was a tension diverted away from them in Scream 5. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that. I, so it sounds like you've grown a little bit on Scream 5. Yeah, I went up a whole number rating. 
um on my rewatch and with time uh and and you know maybe it was partially you know hype for scream 6 because i rewatched it right before watching scream 6 but i did go up on it and i found more to appreciate um and and you know also i'm sure it was just you know having seen it before knowing what to expect uh from radio silence going in but yeah i mean i've got some pros and cons here uh uh before we move into our ratings if you want to get into that go for it i'm gonna say you know pros first the kills pretty good they're they're brutal in this i mean i think the only one that really rivals it in the past scream movies was scream 4 with that the guts hanging out of that girl on the bed that that might be the most brutal the series has gotten but there are some really brutal uh kills in in scream 5 uh jack quaid jenna ortega kyle gallner like i said marley shelton and roger jackson that those i think those actors really stand out with with great performances in this Dewey gets a quality death, like we said. And, you know, something I appreciated is that the movie actually has a reason for just being called Scream because it, it is a reference to requels like we've talked about. Um, so it's not just, you know, I'm it, part of it is the marketing thing where it's like, oh, this is a new trend. But at least it tried to explain that a little bit. It didn't just not reference that. Um, but to, to speak of the cons, like I said, a lot of the new characters are flat and the returning cast seems only kind of half invested in this movie because it was the first movie without Wes. Uh, and then the, the reveals in the movie, they're pretty uninteresting and derivative, not just the ghost face reveal, but like we said, the reveal that Billy is Sam's dad. And it just, it, I mean, I guess it could be d- defended as a, a satire of, of modern requels, but you know, I, I I kind of like when those movies did these kinds of things better. And when you're sacrificing serious quality to, to further the series satire, I don't really know that it's worth it. So it's, it's tricky because everything in scream can be defended as, Oh, it's meta. And it's just doing what other movies do satirically. But when you're actually sacrificing quality, you know, I, I don't know that it's worth it. So like, you know, like we said, I've gone up on this movie since our review on Patreon, but it's it's still it's still my lowest in the in the franchise and i I was excited Uh, to get back out of woodsboro for the next one i think it's superior to three but what what rating would you give it i'm gonna go with a six out of ten for for uh scream going into it my last rewatch i was like this is a five you know i'm not really that into it but i think it's a healthy six out of ten um and i still do enjoy it you know i don't think any of these scream movies are terrible but uh but I, you know, I, I was looking forward to Scream 6, and I'm happy to say I think it delivered. All right. With Scream 5, I am at a 7.5 out of 10. Hmm. And uh, I think it could go up. I've seen it, I think, three times, and I think that on rewatches it could go up. All right. Yeah. Well, tell us about your experience in watching Scream 6. Well, uh, it it was a great theater experience. Uh you know, like I said, uh, you know, 3D isn't my favorite thing, but uh, there were a few sequences in this movie, you know, like the ladder sequence, that subway sequence that kind of benefited from it. But I had a really fun time with it. They, you know, there were several times, especially in the first and second acts, where I was just like kind of feeling like I wanted to pump my fist because it was just like it, it just knew exactly what I wanted to see in it. Um, let's just say, well, let's discuss this. Best opening in a screen movie since the original. I mean, this is a fantastic opening with with Samara Weaving, who is, by the way, a perfect choice for this movie's Drew Barrymore. I mean, she's like perfect as the screen queen and you think she's going to be in more of it. You know, 
just just perfect and i was i was really thrown for a loop when ghostface took his mask his mask off in that scene that was just like blowing my mind well the yeah the opening scene i thought was trying to riff a little bit yeah on scream 4 and sure, trying yeah. to you know trying to take a couple of twists mm-hmm. um i'll need to here's the thing i'll need to watch it again yeah um, I've only seen it once. I saw it Friday afternoon. Um, it was one of my two days off. I I get Mondays and Fridays off, so I saw it Monday afternoon or Friday afternoon. I yeah. I don't know. I it, uh, I'm going to have to watch it again to see if I really appreciate it or not. I wasn't mm. blown away the first time I saw it. Well, I loved it. It's it's strange that we we kind of flip flop on these sometimes because I I you know I don't really maybe we just have different tastes, but I loved the opening of this. I thought it was genius, and uh, the way it just you know you think it's going to be just a just a a normal scream opening where we get um, a character who uh, you know butchered in the first five minutes, and then the mystery of who's the ghost face. But then it goes in a different direction and kind of holds on it for a while, and we we don't we don't really see you know, where the story's going, which I thought was a really awesome idea from a structure standpoint. Um, and the best performance in the movie was honestly Roger Jackson. I mean, this is his best performance so far <laughs> as a ghostface voice. You know, when we transition from that guy, I, I don't know what his name is. He Something tells Spider-Man. me when you do your student film, you're going to be like, hey, Mr. Jackson, are you available for an hour's I, work? I would love that. I mean, because he's just, he just elevates everything. But, oh yeah, um... Oh, what's his name? The guy from uh, Tony Revolori, uh, the guy from Spider-Man. He played Flash in, the, in Spider-Man Homecoming. Mm-hmm. When we transition from his voice into Roger Jackson, it is chilling. I mean, it's just it's just chilling. He does a great, you know, when we go from his voice to, uh, and you teach a class on, on slashers, you know, it's like the perfect right, that grit right. in his voice. Uh, awesome opening. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, I thought it was great. I was pumping my fists. Um, I was just expecting a twist. Here's part of the problem. Yeah. It's like going to see an M night movie. Sure. At this point with scream, you're expecting a twist at the beginning at the end. And for me, maybe that's, uh, maybe a twist would be, there's not a twist. Well, we get we get a little bit of a twist. I mean, the ghost face takes his mask off. And right? He- no, 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 no. What I mean is, at the be at the beginning and ending of every screen movie, there's something yeah. that the filmmakers try to throw at you where you're supposed to be. Oh, that's unexpected. Right. Um, you know, especially in Scream Four, yeah. where you have how many, you know, how many fakes. Yeah, I, I I don't even remember how many fakes you have at the beginning of Scream Four. Yeah, um, and so I think you expect it, and here when you get, you know, there's a twist where, spoiler alert, Ghostface is not Ghostface. Right, right. Um, I it might grow on me. It might grow on me because the beginning of Scream Four did. The first time I saw it, Scream Four, and I saw it in a theater in Philadelphia, and I was like. Uh, I think you're being a little too cute, but, hmm. um, but in my, like I said, every screen movie with the exception of the first two, all the others I've, I've, I've 
liked but not loved until rewatches. Yeah. So that may be the way it is with Scream 6 because I have issues. Hmm. Okay. And mainly with the beginning and the end. Now, Hmm. we can overlook the whole thing with the plausibility. At this point, when you get into the, you know, sixth installment of a slasher, I understand that plausibility is out the window. So you have, you know, a city employee who has somehow concocted a shrine to all the ghost faces. Right. Okay, that's that's a little weird. Yeah, I'm there with you. I don't I don't I didn't think the ending reveal worked, but the, I thought the opening was genius. I mean, I just love that that we get Ghostface unmasked and then we stay with him. You know, when we find out that he knows um Sam and Tara and then he goes back to his apartment and then he gets a call from Ghostface. I think right. that's great. I think that was executed much better than the Scream 4 fake outs with it actually being stabbed. Um I just love that. I love how naturalistic it is, like okay. how we just follow him for a while. And, and on a rewatch, I might as well. I, I, I'm yeah. not, I, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not saying that I hated it. Yeah. Um, I just kind of was like sitting there going, okay, where is this going? Sure. Because we know it's not going to be what we think. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. I was torn. At, you know, you t- you were talking about how the biggest twist could be no twist. And I was like, okay, maybe we just are going to know who Ghostface is. And so every scene that he's in with Jenna Ortega, him or his roommate, we're just going to be like, get out of there, get out of there. And things are going to slowly, you know, degrade because there are great movies that that use that technique where it's like the Alfred Hitchcock ticking bomb under the under the uh, right. That's how you create suspense. Right. Is that which could be interesting. And I thought maybe it would go that way. So I didn't I really didn't know where it was going to go. And I just love it how it's just slice of life. We follow him as he walks back to his apartment. And then he gets a call from Ghostface. Yeah, We're not don't, sure if it's his roommate. And you don't necessarily need a red herring right. in slashers these days. Now, I don't think you need, like, did you buy for any any second that Kirby, Hayden, what's her name, Panatera, whatever her name is. Uh, I can never pronounce her last name. Yeah. Did you buy for one second she was Ghostface? No. Uh, I didn't think it would go that direction, but it could have. I mean, I think people would be mad, you know, that do we have this returning character that so many people liked from Scream uh, 4 and that they brought her back to be Ghostface. But, you know, I thought maybe, okay, maybe maybe the but actor maybe you would the actor agree wanted they, to be Ghostface. I don't know. But you agree they tried to make her a red herring. Oh, for sure. I mean, everybody's a red herring. I mean, Sam, one of our main characters, is a red herring in this movie. Okay. I, I just, I, I thought it was kind of cheap. I, I just like I'm not buying this for one second. Okay, you know don't don't even. Why are you even going down this road? Um, and so the opening, I was just expecting like, okay, what's what's the twist going to be? And then at the end, you know, it was like I'm not buying. You're not selling me on that red herring. And so I had problems with that. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't buy the reveal, the final reveal either. But I appreciated no, the. No, I didn't buy that. I saw that coming down a city block. Right. I. I. Well, I didn't. I didn't know the whole story, but I suspected something. But well, I, you know, okay. Let's talk about spoilers for a second. Okay, yeah. so, I, 
I saw Dermot Mulroney being, you know, in some way, shape, or form involved. Mm-hmm. And now it turns out, you know, he's a New York City cop who somehow owns a theater and has somehow, somehow acquired every ghost face mask. Um, yeah. And his whole family is involved, and he's Richie's dad. Right. I mean, I'm surprised that this didn't work for you. I mean, I had the same sort of issues with with Thick, um, as we talked about earlier, with this family of of killers. But well, but but there, I mean, in Sick, their son was arguably an innocent victim, right? Whereas here, Richie was a psychopath. <laughs> Sure, but doesn't that make it more realistic that his family would also be psychopaths than, I, than I he's don't just a regular know. guy? I don't, so I don't, three members I don't, of the family are killers. I haven't heard of any other Bundys or Dahmers going on killing sprees. That's true. Um, I mean, if, there's the Menendez brothers, but um, I know I see what you mean. Um, I, I yeah. just I didn't I didn't care for that at all. I saw it coming a mile away. Um, as soon as they tried to sell me on Kirby, I was like, no, it's not Kirby. So it's got to be the cop. And then who's in it with him? Oh, those are his kids. You right. know, well, it, I didn't know. I had no idea about that. I feel like that was kind of left field. They didn't really set that up. So how could you know? I, uh, I, I, well, it, you've seen the screen movie. So obviously there's somebody else involved. Right. Like, for example, when. Courtney Cox is attacked in her apartment. Um, she's on the phone with Ghostface while another Ghostface is stabbing her boyfriend. Right. So we know there's at least two. Right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, and I I saw that too. I was trying to watch like in the apartment scene where uh you know the running away from Ghostface. You know that's before the latter scene. Um, they're in this bathroom and there's Ghostface knocking on both sides of the door on right. both doors. So we know right. there's at least two there too. Um, we know that early uh, now, on. Now, I will say, and I'm saying, I don't hate this movie. Mm-hmm. The latter scene I thought was great. That is a great scene. And that that really benefited from 3D. That and the subway scene. Like oh, the I didn't of that. see it in 3D. I, I wish I would have seen that in 3D. It, that, those did help. I mean, it actually felt like those sequences were shot in 3D. They weren't as post-converted. So it did actually, it did actually benefit from that. Like that shot where... Um, Mindy looks out the window and you just see that depth as the focal length of the camera, get, you know, of the lens goes down that, that thing, you know, you really do feel that depth, but yeah. So, uh, just briefly, you know, uh, I, you know, I don't buy the reveal, but like I said, none of the scream sequels, I really bought the reveal. So that's not a big issue for me. Um, I like the idea that everyone's a suspect. I didn't I... mind that they made Kirby a red herring because like Randy said, every, everybody's a suspect, you know? Right, um, but I didn't, I, I didn't love that Mindy and Chad were like, you know, like her uncle said, everybody's a suspect. It's like, how would they know that? You know, he was dead before they were born. How would they know that? But, you know, whatever. Um, it's okay. Well, they probably knew that from Gail's books because Gail had access to Dewey and Ra- Randy's family and everybody else. But, I guess. Or maybe, yeah. And then and then they took it from Gail's books and put it in Stab, maybe. But right, that would be exactly. weird watching a, uh, watching a Stab movie about your own uncle getting murdered. Yeah, like, that would be that would be weird. It'd be one thing like, look your great 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 grandfather mm-hmm. uh, was a colonel for George Washington in the Revolutionary War Moses uh-huh. Rawlings if you watched a movie about George Washington and 
you saw, you know, well, he didn't die in the Revolutionary War. He died of natural causes. But let's say they did it for dramatic effect and Moses Rawlings is killed. Your great, 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 great grandfather. Yeah. I can see you watching that. Uh huh. But, you know, someone that close? Right. Your, your mom's brother? Like, I feel like right. that'd be weird. So, yeah, um, I don't know. But like I said, you know, everybody's a suspect. I don't really care that they had the red herring with Kirby. The reveal didn't work for me uh, with who it was. I like the idea that there are three ghost faces. The actual reveal itself didn't didn't work for me. But like I said, none of them do, except for the first one. None of them do. So I did. I didn't. The one I didn't mind. Yeah. Was Billy's mom. I didn't love that one either. I think it took away. You know, I I didn't from mind. Billy. I didn't mind that one. I really liked the scene where, where, um, where Sydney sees her for the first time and is like, "Mrs. Loomis." I kind of liked that. Um, right, and that's the first time we're seeing her, though. It's kind of weird. I don't know. Oh no, we do see an interview of her. No, on the news, we don't see we? her. She's she's kind of ducking around here and there. You know, mm. and I loved that. You know that she killed Randy because she couldn't stand him talking about her quote little boy that way and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I liked that. I, I didn't mind Mrs. Loomis in part two. I agree with you that in three, four, five, and six, it's a little eye rolling. It's a little Scooby-Doo-ish. Right. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm just blown away that you didn't like it. Seeing as how you like sick, like that the family of killers thing, you know, I thought it was the same amount of effectiveness in this, which I didn't <sighs> buy it, but it didn't really hurt it for me. Whatever. Well, that's my, but my objection stands yeah. is that, you know, typically it's like the old Gilbert Godfrey joke. Mm-hmm. It's like, what do you discuss at the Hitler family reunion? Right. Do you bring up Adolf? Probably not. Yeah. So you're probably not like, let's go after the Russians. <laughs> you know? Right, right. It's probably like, uh, let's just not discuss that anymore. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, again, sick. I mean, the same thing happens to sick. A normal kid no, dies. No, not the same thing and happens And his entire family he become killers. Is, he is He's indirectly innocent. killed. He's indirectly killed by somebody. They don't even murder him. They He's, are, spoiler <laughs> alerts for sick, they are Karens, and he is what they see as an innocent victim. He's not a sociopathic killer. That's my point. Right, so why is the whole family sociopathic killers? That's what doesn't make sense to me. But they're only going after those they thought contributed to his death. Right, but he wasn't even murdered. He was indirectly got COVID. You know what I mean? So it's like it makes even less sense than, oh, Richie was literally stabbed 40 times by Sam. Like in that case, I kind of get it. All right, all right. Well, (sighs) Richie was a killer and he killed to try to reboot a movie. Yeah. Um, In Sick, a guy died from COVID just by going to a party when early on, Nobody knew what COVID was. So right. I will stick by my objection that okay. Sick is a good movie, and I, I like the reveal. Now, mm-hmm. with Scream 6, you know, look, I've been watching Dermot Moroney in movies since the 80s. Mm-hmm. You know, he was in Young Guns, for goodness sake. He's great in Young Guns. Uh, he is, but, you know, it, it wasn't hard to see that he was the bad guy. And, sure. and so that... Scream 6 telegraphs its punches in that way. Now, that being said, there are great scenes. Mm-hmm. We talked about the latter scene, but also the subway scene I thought was great. Yeah. What did you think? 
Yeah, that was excellent. That was another one that benefited from the 3D depth to it. Just really brutal. I, You know, one thing I don't fully get is, you know, Ghostface stabs Mindy just once and then leaves. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like if it was Quinn, I guess it would, it would probably be Quinn uh, behind the Ghostface mask because we see Ethan and uh, the, the cop is, like, on the scene. Like, so I, I, it would probably be Quinn. But she just stabs Mindy once and then leaves. You right. think that she would want to finish the job. It's kind of strange. Or maybe she just wanted to get Mindy out of commission. I don't know. It was very strange. I don't know. With her and Ethan yeah, there. Yeah, I don't know either. I'd have to watch it again. I mean, that's but, one of the problems. Is I wish this was on streaming so that I could have watched it a couple times before we recorded. Well, I'm, I don't blame them for not doing that. I mean, that that's not a profitable business model, putting it on streaming. No, I, I agree. I, I, I completely agree. I'm just selfishly saying for our right, podcast, right. I wish I could have seen it multiple times but, but i will say that is a great scene i love all the ghost face you know all the monster masks in general bunch of costumes that are like a reference to other movies i love that i can't think of any off the top of my head but in the movie theater is pointing to stuff like oh that's that that's that that's that you know a bunch of different there's obvious ones like michael myers and stuff yep. like that and, and freddy krueger but there were like kind of obscure ones in there too which i appreciated and we meant we briefly mentioned it before um the attack on Gail in the apartment, I think, is well done. That is super well done. I had no idea how that was going to go because, you know, Gail could die in this one. I didn't know. That was a super well-executed scene. They used the geography of that apartment really well. And I like that Gail, you know, isn't, you know, helpless. She, like, fights back. She puts in a better fight than Dewey. I mean, she's, like, she's she's vicious. And oh, I like that they kept her around yeah. for future sequels. You know, they they left that door open. You know, she's got a weak pulse and she's in the hospital. She's right. she's still she's still stable in Mount Sinai, so they could bring her back. Well, let's face it, they're they're going to if this one is successful and so far it has been, I think it's made forty four million this weekend. Yeah. Um on like a twenty million dollar budget or a twenty five million dollar budget. So if it yeah. doesn't drop off a lot next weekend, it looks like it's going to do well. So, you know, then they'll bring Nev Campbell and Courtney Cox back for seven. I mean, let's not mm -hmm. kid ourselves. But um, I thought that scene was very well done. Look, when it all comes down to it, um, I am not as high on the opening as you are, but mm -hmm. I might in future viewings. Yeah. I didn't care for the reveal. I didn't like the whole. I thought it was ridiculous to have the whole theater ghost face you know, tribute or whatever. Right. Uh, with all the different masks, I didn't think it was worth the, the ending um, where, you know, Billy's daughter throws away his mask. Right. And it is kind of weird didn't that, think that was, I didn't think that was a, an emotional payoff. Yeah. Me neither. I don't know. I guess the, the idea was, Oh, is she going to become Ghostface? You know, but we knew she wasn't going to become Ghostface. And it also is weird. Like, you know, they say, Oh, Dermot Moroni was a cop. That's how he got all this evidence. But he's a cop in New York. He's oh, I guess he's Richie's dad, so that he would be from Woodsboro. But he wasn't a cop in Woodsboro. We don't. See no, him. you can't uh, look. This is something that our buddy Shane, the Maniac Cop, posted about Halloween 2018. Now, does evidence disappear from evidence lockers? I used to be a prosecutor. When you were one years old, I was a prosecutor. Mm -hmm. um, yes, it does. It does. So I can see a Michael Myers mask disappearing. Yeah. I can't see every ghost face mask disappearing. Right, right. Yeah. 
I mean, and it's pulp at this point, right? It's Ghostface Takes Manhattan. It might present itself as a little bit more than that, but it is pulp, and I didn't mind that. I don't care about the more outlandish things because this movie has more to offer. My problems with Sick, with like the things I didn't buy with the logic, is because that's all it gave me. It was such a small story. That's really all it gave me. With this one, there's more to appreciate, I feel like, so that didn't bother me as much. And like I said, with my expectations going in, I knew that none of the scream reveals worked, you know, other than the first one, they were all problematic. They all had issues with their logic. So I wasn't too beat up about it, but wouldn't you, you're, so you're an aspiring filmmaker. Wouldn't it be okay? Yeah. If the family just had Richie's mask. Yeah. And at the end, she looks at it and she just kicks it aside or whatever. They didn't need the whole tribute to all the ghost face. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I know why they did it. So my, th- I actually had a thought while I was watching it. You know, you we said, really needed Roman's mask. Well, here's it. That's actually what I'm about to talk about. Okay. Uh, you know, you were like, you know, obviously there's going to be more than one ghost face. There's always more than one ghost face. Except with Roman, there was only one ghost face, and they they specifically mentioned that in the movie. So they were setting up that maybe, oh, maybe there's just one ghost face because Kirby says, or it's either Kirby or the police chief says. Roman Bridger, he was the only solo ghost face. And then I kind of like hold on that for a second. I'm like, ooh, is there a... Now, in that scene, there is a logic issue because we see the police chief uh, ask them to look up Kirby, even though he's the killer. So why would he be suspicious of Kirby? It doesn't really make sense that he would... That's just for our benefit, I guess, that he's like, look into Kirby. You know, what's her... What's going on with her at the right. FBI? Um, whatever. It's for our benefit. Um and it's a red herring to further divert us from him. You know, the same thing with Quinn. And that's another big logic issue. He somehow switches out Quinn's body so that, like, Quinn, it looks like Quinn is dead. They would, in the, when they did the, uh, the, um, what's that called? Where they, they look at the dead body. The the coroner looks at the dead body. The postmortem, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, when they do that, they would know that it wasn't Quinn. So I don't know how that was going i don't understand how what hey, the, i have no idea that. how you can switch a body out of an autopsy unless it's behind the mask you know i i yeah, yeah. i don't i don't get that at all but yeah th- there were some logical problems and, and and when you have logical problems with movies like these i always wonder is this just a cash grab is this you know because we've talked about this ad nauseum and i won't go on and on about it but what I appreciate about Jordan Peele is the attention he pays to his movies. Sure. I mean, it's not, it's not nope, right? I mean, there's obviously issues with this. We can talk about that. I mean, it's also weird that Red Right Hand is both diegetic and non-diegetic in this movie. <laughs> what does that mean for the, what does that mean for the reality of this? So that means that Stab had Red Right Hand in it. How do they know that Red Right Hand was the score of Scream? Yeah. That seems kind of odd. I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, but again, it's Scream, and these movies have always been a little outlandish ever since, you know, Scream 2, so I'm fine with it. And like I said, the third act I didn't love. First and second acts made up for it, though, in my opinion. Um, so, I don't know. I still really enjoyed this one, and I'm I'm just surprised. I'm not surprised that you didn't like those parts, because I can see, you know, from a lot of people's taste why those wouldn't work. But, you know, like I said, you like Sick, which had a lot of the same issues, in my opinion. So, I'm not really sure why this one didn't work for you. No, particular. I just thought Maybe... Sick sold it better than this one did. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I can maybe see that, but I think they yeah. needed to they felt like they needed to reach back. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, maybe you just have a bunch of sick people who are imitating Ghostface 
and this is comes around every Halloween or whenever and and or anniversary of the Woodsbury killings and and that's what you're dealing with. And that's enough. I don't think you have to have, oh, that's my son. That's and it's like, oh my gosh. It it becomes a little soap opera-ish. Sure. Yeah, but again, I mean, I guess it's just a problem with um expectations. Uh I didn't I didn't mind it. So Well, it's just like I, I, I bought the and people can go back and listen to it, but Scream Four was just, you know, two kids who just wanted to be famous. Yeah. That I buy more than this. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I have my issues with Scream 4, which you can go back and listen to that episode. Um, I think I was the lowest on it out of the three of us. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's Again, it comes – we talked about this with Thick when we were flip-flopped. You know, I – you know, I, it just comes down to expectations. And with Thick, I expected something more realistic because it was – you know, it felt like Kevin Williamson trying to go back to his roots, especially in the beginning, like kind of a, a more grounded sort of thing. But uh, I didn't get that. I got something a little bit more hard to believe. And with this movie, I was expecting it to be pulp because it was Ghostface Takes Manhattan, and uh, it was pulp. And it did have an unrealistic, you know, and, twist, but whatever. And I was once again, that. shot in Canada. Right. Yeah, they're not going to be able to shoot this in, in New York. They shot yeah. it in Montreal, I, mean, I think. Yeah. They would They would still be trying to recoup production costs if they had shot it in New <laughs> York. True. So. Yeah, it makes sense why they shot it. In, Something in, tells uh, me in Canada. your future you're going to get to know Bill Van Vagel because you're going to be spending a lot of time yes. up north. Well, I'm going to be splitting my time between between Canada and North Carolina. I'm going to be hanging with Greg yeah, Mortis and, exactly. and Bill Van Vagel. Exactly. But yeah, a few a few little things I wanted to talk yes. about. I think it's a total non-issue. People were up in arms about Ghostface using a gun. It's a total non-issue to me, especially since he's, he's a cop. He's, he's used a gun before. I don't remember when Ghostface has actually used a gun. Go back to one. Billy did. Oh, yeah. Remember the gun is there. Yeah, he said, yeah, he uses a gun in one. When does he use a gun? Oh, yeah, he hold after he's unmasked. Yes. Sure. Yes. Yeah. And I I guess people are just mad about, you know, he's in costume. He's using the gun. Whatever. We we both agree that Terminator is a slasher and he uses a gun. Yes, there are. No, there are guns in almost all of them. Um. Which is a throwback to the town that dreaded sundown and you know all that yeah. kind of, and maniac and you know all that yeah. kind of stuff. So oh, definitely maniac. This movie has maniac all over yeah, it. That kind of it, gritty New York. So it's no, it, it's you know, no. Ghostface has used a gun many times, and yeah, that's not a problem for a slasher. Sorry. Yeah, I didn't have an issue with that. Uh, another casting thing I wanted to bring up: Jack Champion, who was Ethan. He was like the the Dermot Mulroney's son. With right, the crazy eyes at the very end. Who, by the way, gets a great death from Jen Ortega getting stabbed right through his mouth. Yes, his that was great. That was great. Um, he was Spider in Avatar Two, which I know you haven't seen and um, will not. He, and but the deaths in this, the kills in this are good. Yeah, yeah, they're great. I mean, this and the last one. I mean, that's you know we talked about in our Oscars episode. The thing that brings everyone together in Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends is the score by John Carpenter is still strong, no matter what you think about right. it. There are some Absolutely. good kills and there's a good score. With this movie, everyone can agree there are some good kills in it. You know, no matter what you think of the movie's plot, you know, whatever, there are some good kills. Same is true of this. And by the way, I don't want to brag. Jack Champion, this movie, Avatar Two. He was also in a short film made by my film professors. Uh, it was written and directed by my my uh, writing professor, screenwriting professor, and produced by my directing oh, professor. Wow. 
Uh, he was he starred in that back in 2017. So kind of cool that somebody from the Lynchburg area is now big in uh, in Hollywood. But so that's cool. Um, he does a good job. I I don't have a yeah. problem with the performances here. Yeah, and I you know I, I I don't think they're super strong Oscar worthy. There are some good moments with Jen Ortega, and there's a great moment I think with Chad. And I want to get into what your favorite kill was because that kind of ties in. It's not a kill as we learn at the end of the movie, but that scene where Chad is getting stabbed over and over again by all the ghost faces, yeah. and he's not even flinching, and he's just telling them to go. That is so hard to watch because it just felt so visceral. Oh, I agree. I absolutely agree. Yeah. Yeah, there are. But yeah, do you, and I'm a little distracted because people are texting me about March Madness. <laughs> um, but yeah, and the Oscars we got going on tonight. I'm we got a lot of not stuff. watching the Oscars tonight. Uh, but I'm not going to either because Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, but you know, whatever. No, I don't um, have a problem with Jimmy Kimmel. I just have a problem with most I, of the movies nominated. Um, but I hate Jimmy Kimmel. I find him so unfunny. Really? Yeah. I I per, you want to hear something crazy? I like Jimmy Fallon as a person better than Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, man. But Conan is the best, you know, uh, late night show. No. So. Anyways. Anyway, uh, I I did like the kills. I did like the performances. I thought it was well shot. Um, I just had problems with screenplay. Mm -hmm. Um, I can I can see your argument about the beginning. Yeah. But I think we're going to end up agreeing on the end. Yeah, that the reveal is weak, and the yeah, red the I just red was herring less bothered by it. The red herring yeah. was not; it's not going to fool anybody. And so, at the end of the day, I liked it, but I need to see it again. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, I'm well, I'm excited for you to see it again. I love the opening, and again, I down to expectations. I think I the the ending was the reveal and the third act was dumb, but I still enjoyed it because I knew it was going to be pulpy. Um, but I liked it. I think it was a huge improvement over Scream Five. Um, and uh, just before we get into our ratings, did you know? Did you feel like they were even red herring Stu? Like they were like hinting that Stu was going to come back. Yeah, they kept talking about Stu Mocker, yeah. And then we see the TV and everything, and I was like, "Are they going to bring Stu back again?" I mean, do you think Stu is dead, dead in this franchise, or do you think they're going to bring? Matthew I Lillard think back? if they brought Matthew Lillard back, that would be a huge mistake. I think he's dead, dead. Yeah, even at, I mean, yeah, I mean, I if they do bring him back, I will want him to actually be a person, not a vision like Billy, um, because that wouldn't even make any sense. He wasn't related to anybody unless they retcon it that Stewie that Stu had a secret love child too, um, somehow. I don't know. I guess so. I guess so. Billy was cheating of, on Sydney. A lot of people have an unprotected Sam's sex in the nineties. I guess. I, I, I guess yeah. so. So do, why would you ever cheat on Nev Campbell? That was my question. I, I, no, I, yeah, I found that just ridiculous. But, um, huh, look, folks, um, I, I, I'm not high on this movie yet. Mm-hmm. I definitely think it's better than three, which mm. I think is is the worst of the Scream sequels. Even though I still like it, um, I would still recommend you go see it in theaters. Sure. Yeah. And especially if you get to see it like you did in 3D, which I didn't have the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, it's a give or take. I mean, like, with with 3D, there's pros and cons, because the regular dialogue scenes are kind of distracting with that post-conversion. There's, like, a soft focus on everything. Right. 
but then the you know the action scenes that were actually filmed in 3D look good and it, and they're they're really effective. So it's a trade off. If you don't want to wear glasses the entire time, you know, seeing it in 2D is is just as good. But but yeah, definitely see it in theaters because you know there are certain things that I work think would work better on the big screen than if you're just watching it on your laptop. Yeah, definitely see it on a big screen. So what else do you have to say about this before we go to our ratings? Well, uh, just, just, uh, you know, we, we touched, uh, briefly on, on Kirby's return, but you know, it, it also, she was like stabbed a bunch of times, wasn't she by Rory Culkin? And she just has that one little scar. In yeah. This movie. It was kind of a shock that P- that she was brought back because everybody assumed she was dead. Right. Um, but I, you know, I don't mind the direction they took her character. It's kind of like a Jodie Foster, uh, Silence of the Lambs type thing where she was, you know, she felt out of control in that moment. So she decided to take back control and kind of hunt down bad guys. You know, I was fine with that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think we favorite kill, we kind of talked just generally about all of them, but, uh, I love that, that when, um, uh, the ghost face from the intro opens the uh, the fridge and we see his roommate all chopped up. That was a really cool. Yeah, cool yeah, yeah. There, yeah. There. Look, I'm. You're not gonna get any complaints to me about this movie with from me with the kills or any of the technical aspects. It just comes back yeah. to the screenplay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, which I understand and uh, interested to hear what your rating is going to be because you were a seven point five on screen five and it's sounding like. You're kind of mixed on this one. Like it might even be lower. Uh, why don't you go first? Because you're typically okay. the lowest. Well, I'm I'm typically lower than you on movies we agree on, but I liked this more than Scream Five. Scream Five was was a six out of ten. This is a seven out of ten, in my opinion, with room to improve. There is room to improve. I will watch it again, and because I'm such a huge Scream fan, I will buy it. Yeah. Um. But right now, I'm a 6 out of 10. Interesting. So we're flip-flopped on yep. this. Yep. Hmm. That doesn't happen often. Which is interesting. I mean, I mean, same thing from what little I heard from Amy Swan. It seemed like she preferred Scream 5, too. Or at least Scream 4. She was uh, kind of lower on this yep. one. That's interesting, because I just... Maybe it's if you're a big Scream fan, which I'm not the biggest Scream fan. I'm not, like, diehard like a lot of people are. I feel kind of the same way you about... You should about, be. I feel the same kind of way about Scream as I do about uh the property you, but of you know Nightmare what i mean it's it's one of those things though i'm gonna turn 51 next mm-hmm. month yeah you know um in june you're gonna turn 20 um when scream came out in 96 and i know yes there were meta films before that yes new nightmare and so forth but they weren't as good Scream in 96 hit at the exact right time. You know, Slash likes to say that Appetite for Destruction hit at the exact right time. Mm-hmm. And Scream hit at the exact right time. You and your generation have grown up with so much meta stuff. I don't know if you can truly, from a time perspective, fathom how innovative it was does that make sense yeah yeah i can yeah i can imagine um i st- you know i still enjoy the scream franchise i don't and like i said with those the sequels being meta I, that never really worked for me because it's like yeah scream already did this but 
I still right. really like it, and, and but it was I'm the not first as attached to the major franchise. hit where yeah. a major slasher where the characters in them had seen slashers. Right, right, yeah. I mean, we get a little bit of that in um, Friday Six Part Six uh, with the, a, the lady a, going a touch, but not. Yeah, you know, that's not the main current, which was. Kevin right. Williamson was a huge fan of slashers and he didn't understand why characters and slashers had never seen a slasher. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not super invested in the franchise, which is maybe why I like this one because I, you know, I, I thought it would maybe be pulpier going in. I had bet, like kind of lowered expectations, but I, you know, I still really enjoyed it. I think it's a seven out of 10 and this is going to blow your mind a little bit. My current franchise ranking. Okay. Okay. Of Scream. Let's hear it. From best to worst is okay. Scream, of course, right. at number one. Scream 2. Good. Scream 6. Okay. Then a tie between Scream 3 and, and Scream 4, and then Scream 5. <sighs> that's my current ranking. I know that's a little that's a little controversial, <sighs> but that's, that's where I'm All at. All right. I'm at 1, 2, mm-hmm. 5. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. 4 three and six hmm okay so you debt you for sure like six less than three well it, i go back and forth i go back so, and forth in my mind it might be that that six is five and three is six i i, I need to see six again yeah i really need to see it again and and i will i will buy it i own all of them i even own three and four when i didn't really love them that much at all I still bought yeah. them so because I love the franchise. So I will buy six and I'll rewatch it when it hits streaming or I buy it or both. And I, I'll watch it again and it could go up. And and, and, yeah. and you made a very good argument about the opening scene. It didn't strike me that way when I watched it at first, but mm-hmm. I could change my mind. I changed my mind about the opening of Scream 4. I hated it at first. Yeah, and well, and you know, you change your mind on Scream Three in general, but Scream Three had a has a great uh, opening from the get go. Like I think everybody well, agrees yeah. that having Cotton hunted down by by Ghostface that's interesting. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but okay. With the voice changer, <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah. it makes more sense than today with today's AI technology sure. that you could do a voice sure, changer sure, like sure. that, but not not in the nineties. But yeah, yeah I I, 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 I still think three and six are at the bottom for me. I'm not sure. Which one now? Now, but to go back to Gil, uh, two more points. One to mm-hmm. go back to Gil Manjul, our buddy Gil Manjul's point. Yeah, I do think that if you're looking at Friday Thirteenth, Halloween, Child's Play, Hellraiser, so forth, especially Puppet Master, whatever, you do have to say <laughs> that Scream has been pretty consistently good. Yeah, yeah, and compared to Leprechaun, especially well, that's another one. Jeez. Yeah. Oh goodness. Yeah. Um. The other thing I read that I, I want that I forgot to bring up earlier was that I can't remember if it was bloody disgusting or dread central. Somebody wrote an article on one of the reasons Scream the Scream franchise resonates with people is how much do you trust others? Mm-hmm. Since anyone can be the suspect. How much does that play into the psychological thing of how much do you really trust other people? Sure. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. 
So I guess how how invested you are in the narrative is how trusting and and kind of gullible you are of. Well, I mean, look, I I was listening to a podcast um, the other day. One of my Mm -hmm. favorite comedians is a guy named Dana Gould, uh, who does you might know him best. I don't know if you know this or not, but he does a YouTube uh, video series hanging with Dr. Z, where he plays Dr. Z from the Planet of the Apes films. And he acts like Dr. Z hosting The Tonight Show. That's fun. Yeah, it's fun. And it's funny. And, you know, he was interviewing a guy who is one of the top voiceover artists in the world. This guy's like 65 years old, and he's a multimillionaire, and he just walks into work every morning with a Starbucks and sweatpants, and he just sits down in front of a microphone for six to eight hours, and he goes home. Mm Mm-hmm. His father, when he was 28, was murdered by his best friend. Mm. And the statistics show friends are the ones who kill friends more than strangers. Sure. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's why the police have their primary suspects is people they know. It's your wife. It's your best friend. It's one of the it's a member of the family. It's yeah. Yeah. And so there may be something psychologically there for you to think about as a filmmaker, for others to think about that why the Scream franchise resonates, because it always turns out to be someone you know. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and maybe that's your issue with this one, is that these are new characters, all new characters. Yeah, and I'm not as face. invested in them yeah. as I am with the legacy characters, Dewey and Gail and Sydney, and, you know, and, and so forth. Sure. And so, yeah, that may be a problem, but Mm -hmm. because I haven't really. I like Samantha and Tara, but I'm not sure that I'm invested in them as much as I am Sydney and Gail and Dewey. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm interested to hear how your opinion changes on on rewatches. I like it. It's my third favorite horror movie of the year so far. Well, um, it's my third favorite too, but I've only seen three. So, um, right, right, right. <laughs> uh, that and the pale blue eyes and sick. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, uh, we'll see. I, look, my opinion's even gone up on Friday Thirteenth Part Five. Mm-hmm. And I know Doctor Shock goes to hell. Doctor Shock, may, well, that hasn't. But, uh, but Part Five. <laughs> has grown on me and and yeah. so we'll see we'll see like yeah. i said i'll buy it when it comes drops to blu-ray i'll watch it again so we'll see where it goes but anyway uh, folks a number of announcements as we said earlier horror movie podcast is is coming back jackson will be a guest host whenever he can jump on i will be a guest host whenever i can jump on the uh, if you go to horrormoviepodcast.net um, you can see that already 40 episodes or so have been uploaded. And so you can catch all those and we'll have a special announcement about a new episode coming up. Um, you can also support Jackson by going to patreon.com, searching for father and son watch horror and find us there. You can join for as little as $2 and 50 cents a month. All proceeds go to Jackson and to help him get through film school an aspiring horror filmmaker. So you can do that. And Jackson, where can they find you online, buddy? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Kane underscore hero 12. That's K A I N E underscore hero 12. 
and uh, you can find my Letterboxd and YouTube link from there. And yeah, absolutely check out the Patreon. Just this past month, we've had pa- uh, patrons call into this, uh, the show, but they've been on the show. Uh, I just released a new video exclusive to there, a bonus uh, pod where we talked about Sick and Megan. So lots of good stuff on on the Patreon. Definitely check that out. But but uh, yeah, just looking forward to getting into this new year. We've got a, a number of topics that we're looking to cover, and of course, horror movie podcast. I mean, if you've heard, you know about our, you know the 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 hosts that we've picked out for a horror movie podcast who have agreed to do it. I mean, if you've listened to their stuff, you know these guys are super engaging. Oh, they're they're super yeah. knowledgeable. It's going to be a great. It's going to be a great show, and so. You know, I won't always be on there. Jackson won't always be on there, but Jackson will be on as much as he can. He's a full-time student, and he's got a band, which, mention your band. Yeah, my band is Anosmic. Uh, we've got an album coming out soon. Uh, we're taking a break over spring break to uh, to not not uh, gig or, or record, but that should be coming out uh, pretty soon. And uh, so, yeah, definitely check that out. That's Anosmic, A-N-O-S-M-I-C. We've got a single out on Spotify, but we've actually re-recorded that single for the album. It's so much better now. Oh, wow. So, uh, so uh, yeah, looking forward to that. And horror fans will like it because we've got we've got a few horror references in there. Very nice. Very nice. And, of course, and of course, we are also working on a demo for some music for uh, HMP 2.0. Yes. So that's, that's something to think about. Yeah. Yes, that's going to be great. So... You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Pastor Matt R, and you can find more of us at Father and Son Watch Horror um, at uh, tw- on Twitter. So, and we just recently passed what was it five hundred followers? That's right. We and since then we have skyrocketed up. Let me see. We hit five hundred followers not that long ago. We hit five hundred March second. It's now March twelfth, and we have five fifty two. Wow! So we've gotten five hundred fifty two. Uh, follower since uh, the night of March the March the second. So thank you guys so much for that. That that means a lot. And uh, yeah, looking forward to making more more great content this year. Absolutely. So we, yes, H and P will be up, but Father and Son will continue. We've got some anniversary episodes coming up. Oh yeah. Uh, one might involve a demon possessed car. Maybe <laughs> you're kind of showing your hand there with that one. Well, you don't know. There's the car from 1977. That's true. There's a uh, maximum overdrive. That's right. So we will see. It'll definitely be one of those yes, for sure. Be. So we we will uh, return with that. And you can always go to fatherandsonwatchhorror.com. And so with that, Jackson, say goodbye to the good people. Goodbye. And remember to pre-order tickets for Scream 7, Ghost Face in Paris. <laughs> or in space. <laughs> or in space that i think that they don't want to jump the shark that much that'll be scream eight oh, okay okay yeah all right folks well thanks for listening we appreciate your support we appreciate the horror community and the mutant fam and remember the family that watches horror together slays together see you next time i want to take some time to thank our patrons again here at the end of the episode Andred, Ashley Pinkard, Billy D, Brian Scott, Carl Davis, Dan George, Dave Becker, Greg Bench, Greg Russell, Ian Urza, Ian West, Joel Robertson, Kate Lamp, The Legion Podcast, Nick Stumpf, Pearl Morgan, Raul Rivera, Ryan Bratton, Amy Swan, Stefan Center, and Trey Whetstone. Thank you guys so much. You make this podcast possible.
Nightmare on Elm Street. Is that the one where the guy had knives for fingers? Yeah, Freddy Krueger. Freddy, that's right. I like that movie. It was scary. Well, well, the first one was, but the rest sucked. 